What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knock a Few Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, The CoachMaze.com Podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. This week, I brought you all a guest, Kenneth Wilson. He's also known in Twitter at K said K. I know. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So play on my old name, K said what? Um, and then I was just sitting around thinking one day, I was like, you know what? K said K. Uh, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the right people get it. And I hope, you know, everybody else is cool with it. Because, you know, it's totally can be such a sensitive place sometimes. I don't want to offend anybody. But, yeah, man. So that's how no, that happened. But I appreciate you having me on, man. And I'm uh, just ready to talk some heat basketball. Absolutely. And welcome to the show, Kenneth. And, you know, I think your your tour handle is actually pretty, pretty clever. For those I appreciate of, uh, it. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, K-Q-U-E means what in Spanish. So... So you guys don't get lost there, so you guys can understand. It's the well, same thing, right? Exactly. It's the same thing, just a little more pizzazz, as you say. Again, I appreciate you. Ah, absolutely, man. Well, let's review the Heat's week. Uh, yesterday was a pretty cool day, but the rest of the week was not as cool. We went, the Heat went one and three on the week, with losses to the Suns, Nuggets, and the Timberwolves, and a win. And, and a really cool, really good win on, on, on national TV against the Brooklyn Nets. Awesome win. Awesome win. Admit it. I can't. Ken, what are your, your, your overall thoughts on the week? Um, I mean, you pretty much just summed it up, man. Like, you know, if you want to go all the way back to last Sunday, um, um, last Sunday, I think, was the Portland game. Uh, of course, you started out the road trip uh, then or whenever that game was. Again, I think it was last Sunday. You started out the road trip good there. 
Um, and you go in and you get a dominant win almost over Portland um, by shutting them down. And, and, you know, you have a couple of things you can take away from that situation, whether that be, okay, the Miami Heat are getting back to their defensive ways or they ran into a Portland team that was pooped because they were coming off of a back-to-back as well. Well, they were playing the second game of a back-to-back against the Heat then um, as they had faced Denver the previous night. But, um, you know, by the time you got around to Phoenix and then Denver and let's not go here, but the Minnesota Timberwolves who also beat you, um, you were like, well, maybe it was just more Portland being bad than the Miami Heat being good that night. Um, And then, of course, you get to, you know, Sunday where they face the Nets and you're coming in hopeful that the things that Jimmy Butler said immediately following the loss to the Timberwolves, you know, would start to move the team. Of course, you you always hope that everything is going to be the best, but you don't always know. And then um, it was almost from the opening tip. You could see that they played with a different level of energy, a different level of urgency, of want to. Um, the team was focused. You could tell that what Jimmy had said had struck a nerve, struck a chord. It was starting to resonate. Um, and again, Jimmy Butler didn't even play on Sunday, which I think is probably the most important and most interesting. But just to kind of give a take, man, it was, it, it was typical Heat. I mean, I expect the Heat to be bad, and I expect the Heat to be good. Um, my thing with the Heat is when they have certain guys in place, this era, Jimmy Butler, um, last era, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, whatever, whatever. And then all of it in between, I expect the Heat to do the Heat. When they had those stars, you know, those the big three and now Jimmy Butler, I expect them to turn it on when they need to turn it on. But even in that intermediary period where they didn't have Jimmy Butler and immediately following the big three, um, I expected them to turn it on when they need to turn it on. It didn't look the same way as it looks now and then where they could win everything. But even then, you could never count them out of a game. Um, in that period between now and the big three, and when the big three ended, you know, they could be down 15 or 20, and that's exactly where they wanted you, it seemed, because they constantly made those games games or came back to win those games. So it's kind of just typical heat for me, man. I expect them to turn it on when they need to, and I expect them to look really bad at times when they shouldn't. Yeah, I guess this this season has been a roller coaster of a season, to say oh, the de- least. Oh, def- definitely. We've, we've had a I wouldn't say a season from hell, but it's been a pretty tough season with all the absences. Jimmy missed an extended period of time. Goran has been has been out for a while too. Tyler Hero was out. Bam missed a couple of games there. All the additions, Victor Oladipo, when he was looking to finally round into form with the Heat, he went down. And you know, it's been it's been a really tough season. And yet we're still in the playoff hunt. The seventh seed right now, we're, we, I think we desperately need to avoid the playing game because this team had the shortest offseason in NBA history right alongside the Lakers, and they've been ravaged by injuries and COVID. And it's not like the entire team is really young. You know, this guy, Jimmy, is in his 30s now. Goran also needs some rest. And I guess that, you know, we need. I think priority number one should be to avoid that playing game. Now, let's discuss the latest news on Victor Oladipo's injury. According to multiple reports, he, he didn't suffer any damage to his knee. It's mostly been a pain tolerance issue. And they're taking it very slow with him since that was the, knee, the same knee that he injured in, in Indiana 
right back when he had the catastrophic knee injury. And he, you know, he he's not wearing a brace, nor he's use, nor he's using mullets, but uh, but crutches. Excuse me, I, I confused the word there. It's, he's not using crutches, and but he was he's limping a bit. So maybe he won't. I, I don't expect him to come back this week, but maybe next week. I don't know. Kenneth, what do you think about the Oladipo injury? You know, uh, the, uh, the encouraging it's, news. It's a tough call, man, either way. Um, I mean, you know, you, you this was this was the the only thing keeping you from pulling the trigger on a deal for Oladipo sooner than they did. Um and as you mentioned, um, I'm kind of big on Twitter, and that's because I write. And um, one of the things that I have written for the site that I write for um, is that, you know, trading assets for Victor Oladipo was always a risky proposition because when you traded those assets, they're gone. Like, you don't have them anymore, so they're, so, so you can't count on those. But if you move them and he gets hurt, or, you know, he leaves or what happened to him happened to him to the point where, yeah, he's not done for the year or he's there, but he can't really help you because he's not playing. Then it's kind of like, well, you know, you're in the, you're in a worse position than you were before you even made a deal. Um, listen, I, I think that they'll be extremely cautious with him. And I think that for multiple reasons, because they want to resign him. Um, but because in order to re-sign him, they need to make sure that he's comfortable re-signing with them. And you think about it like you think about the whole Kawhi Leonard situation and that what Uncle Dennis eventually came out and told us um, that, you know, Kawhi lost trust for San Antonio. And he lost trust because he felt like the way that they were handling his injury situation isn't the way that he would have handled it if he had complete say-so because that wasn't the best thing you know, in accordance with how he felt, uh, you know what I mean? I guess he felt as if there was more damage or there should have been more caution taken than there was. And um, with the way that things have gone recently with the player organization relationship, as far as it goes or relates to injury, um, you really have to be sure that you as an organization are showing the player that you have their best interest in mind. Because, I mean, like I said, man, it's a really fickle situation right now, and it's a really brittle bridge to walk across as any organization. Because, I mean, of course you want the player in tip-top shape because that's how you're getting the most bang for your buck. Like, you're paying the player, so of course you want them to be, you know, the best versions of themselves that they can be. But um, you have to also make sure that in, in getting them back there after injury that you're, you know, taking their situation or thoughts into account. Because if they feel as though you're jerking them around or you're playing with their bodies, their fate, and ultimately their money and their ability to be productive, then that's not going to end up in a good situation either. So to say all that to say, I just think they're going to be extremely cautious with it all because not only do they want him um, there if he can be to help him in the long run this year to try to make another run, but they want him to trust him enough to potentially, you know, sign back up if they so choose to bring him back. I think those are really good points. I was going to say that the risk of him leaving, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't call a huge risk since it's been reported for more than a year that his preferred destination was always Miami, and he's finally here. I don't see 
it would have to take it would have to be a catastrophic event for him to not want to come back here and you know uh, with him being healthy and all because i think the biggest concern for him should be will the team want him back and because of his injury history i think if if the knee holds up you he's not getting anywhere near the max as it was reported he wanted the max way way before he came here he's not unfortunately i see it very difficult for him getting the max deal and that, he that wants. and that would be my only hang up and that is why i always highlight the fact of if he comes back because i see that being a real issue as you just stated if i'm the miami heat if i'm pat riley Uh, you know, if I'm Mickey Harrison, I can't sign off on a check that pays him the max. No, I can't. Make, can't. I I can't either. I, it it's not a good business decision. decision. No, but you know, he he's a he's a good player. When great he's right, player. right. When, When he's, he's right, he's right. He's a great player, all NBA level player, as he showed in 2018. But is is you, is that is that same player there? You you can't count on him to be right quote unquote, um, as far as the health perspective goes for 82 games. And who can you count on for 82 games in this new NBA? But I need to be able to count on you for at least 65 games in most of the playoffs. Yeah, probably, and I'm the, being, ent being, probably the entire you know, playoffs. If oh, you're, no, if oh, you're no, right. And that's why I say I, I say most to be generous. But no, I like to have you all the playoffs, but you can miss a quarter. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess. You can miss a, if you tweak an ankle and you need to go to the locker room, you know, you can miss a quarter. But I need you for for every other minute that we play in the playoffs. I need you. And if I'm going to pay you the max, I have to be I have to be 90 to 95 certain that I'm going to get that. And I say with Jimmy Butler, I know that I'm going to get it because Jimmy will go out there with one leg, two toes missing and a black eye. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the guy's a warrior. Yeah, he's he's a cyborg, man. I don't know. He's you know, I feel like Rocky every time I'm watching. The guy's made of iron, but yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, this season, you know, COVID struck him, and now the the ankle. You you know, he played through the ankle injury, but I guess yesterday I think, they rest. I think I think the Brooklyn thing was a bit of mental gymnastics on Spo's behalf. But hey, who am I? Brooklyn has did it all season long, not playing everybody. And then also when you think about it, they haven't seen us at full strength. They're the favorite as far as a talent perspective go. Why not save a trick, which is not even giving them a good look against, you know, your main guy. I feel like that's what that was. But, you know, it's been really weird because most of the most of these high profile regular season matchups that are expected to be either playoff previews or something. Most mm -hmm. of these teams have not been at, have not been at full strength. Nope. If you look at Brooklyn against Philly uh, a couple of nights ago, you had that same situation. So I 100% agree. And I think it's a lot of tactic. I think it's a lot of tactic tied up in that. So I guess in a way that makes these potential playoff matchups really exciting because it's going to be probably the first time, you know, assuming the teams that get to the playoffs enter at full strength. It's going to be the first time that either team is going to be at full strength. And that makes for a really exciting proposition in, on my end. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you because um, 
when you think about some of the matchups that you have a chance to get in just the first round, um, I mean, you're talking about some exciting, explosive basketball. I'm just looking at the standings now to just kind of give an idea. With Let's say the Miami Heat's current standings uh, of seventh. Oh, look, see, they faced the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. I mean, and then you talk about Milwaukee uh, facing off against New York in the first round. Then you're talking about maybe Atlanta facing off against Boston. I mean, you have some really good, even Charlotte and Philadelphia, even though you expect um, Philadelphia to beat Charlotte, even if that was the case. And, of course, it won't go like that with the play-in, but just using the traditional methods for forecasting. Charlotte is fun as as heck to watch, really. Charlotte is fun, but, but what you worry about with Charlotte is, does that translate to playoff basketball? Because fun in the grand scheme of it all, if you break it down and think about it, what fun mean is they score a lot of points. Yeah. I mean, they're, real, they're a really young team. If they go up against three, they're going to get smoked. But, you I, know, well, I, see, the young team thing, I don't quite buy that for them because when you think about what Terry Rozier has gone through in his young career, when you think about adding Gordon Hayward, um, they're not really – you know what I mean? They, they have some guys that have seen some stuff over there. If you – I put it to you like this. You don't that they're the team you don't let hang around. Oh no. I mean, that is that's a good point that you brought up that, you know, the Hornets have two playoff proven guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Gordon Hay- and, and Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. But you know, they're their cornerstone, Lamelo Ball. This is his rookie season, and we don't know if he's coming back to the for the playoffs. He's there it was reported true, that true, 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 the, he, that he was gonna try. You got Devontae Graham, who has been has been a bit rocky this season. Hey, but see, and that's another thing we can talk about real quick, just to touch on it for a minute. With Devontae Graham, I think that's more an opportunity thing. Because if you'll go back to last season, he looked like he was the next guy to be a breakout star. And then with this season, the emergence of LaMelo, it's kind of putting making him take a back burner. Um, I, I, I think that he's one of those guys where in a playoff situation, um, he could be your number three guy regularly, consistently, once he gets going again, because he's starting to get going again since LaMelo went down. But he's the type of guy who could show up and be your number one or number two guy on any given night. Yeah. Anyway, let's start to break down the, the previous week's Heat games. Let's start with the Heat and the Suns. Kenneth, quick thoughts before we dive into this game. What do you like, dislike from this game? I think it's, there's, most, there's more to dislike than like in this game. Um, in the Suns game, I mean, look, we started out good. I like the fact that Goran felt the need to uh, assert himself because, you know, people were starting to talk about Goran, and Goran has really did that over the last few games. And I would say, even though we lost the Phoenix game, you could see him starting to be like, okay, I need to, you know, get back to being myself. Um, So I like that about it. Um, again, we started out good, um, but at the end of it all, what got us beat versus Phoenix was the fact that their bench could put up points prolifically that night, and we couldn't buy a bucket. No, from my bench. Yeah, the the Heat bench had, the Heat bench really struggled this week, particularly guys like Tyler Hero. Goran picked it up a bit this week, but the other guys, Bielitsa barely played. Precious 
still precious. The only guy that came off the bench, and it was in the Brooklyn game, that really, really made a, a big positive contribution aside from Dragic was Detman, our, yep, yep. our, our newest addition. The yeah, guy, well, that, and see, that actually started in Denver. Didn't mean to step over you. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I was going to mention that part, that he played in Denver, did not play in Minnesota for some reason. Spo decided to go with Precious and be elite stuff for a bit. Thought that they needed more quick, and he thought he needed more quick and athletic to challenge Reed, Vanderbilt, and Towns. But my thing is this. Deadman is dexterous enough, has soft enough hands, and is bouncy enough where you make them play up. Don't try to play down to them because they're going to win that battle. Yeah, exactly. So going back to the Suns game, the first quarter, Jimmy started off guarding Booker. And, you know, Booker didn't have a – didn't – burn us in this game he only had 12 points and jimmy started off guarding him however i saw again ayton as it's been the case with the heat in in during the season these big muscular centers who rebound the ball very well and and dive to the rim we tend to struggle against them particularly you know bam bam can can hold his own but the other guys, whenever if if Aiden was playing against the second unit, he's he, he's gonna roast you. And the Suns were running a really good pick and pick and roll, either with Booker as the hand ball handler or Chris Paul as the ball hand, ball handler, and Aiden as the roll man. And the Heat didn't really have a good enough answer to stop it. And the second and whenever he missed the second chance points again, were were killing us in the in, during the game. Goran attacked. I saw Goran attacking the rim early, as you mentioned earlier. That you know, Goran maybe heard all that talk about him not being able to get past guys anymore. Well, he started attacking the rim early, and great start. It's been a. It, it's been a. It was a bit of a theme this week that the Heat started off really well the first quarter and then dropped off in the second quarter. I have a stat for you before we get into this. When we get into the second quarter, Orisa started off hot. This was his best week as a Heat player by far, I think. Offense on the offensive end, I should say, because on defense he has been he's been really good. But on the offensive end, it's starting to pick up finally, and the three three ball is falling for him at a really high clip. So the first quarter ended thirty four to twenty six in favor of Miami. Before we went into the second quarter, Kenneth, do you want to hear a stat about how we did in the second quarter this week overall? Sure, sure. The Miami Heat were outscored in second quarters this week, 128 to 90. Mm, mm. You're not gonna win games when you when you lose second you, when you lose a quarter in that fashion. Well, I'm just doing some math, but I know that the intervals of 30 means that 120 is 30 more than 90, and you add eight to that, that's 38 more points and. You know, I'm no math whiz, but that's almost 40. And if you do four games, we would beat on average by 10 points a game in the second quarter. You'll lose all of those games. Yeah. It's the, actually the only game in which we didn't get outscored was the Brooklyn game. Brooklyn. In the, in the, Brooklyn. In the, in Brooklyn. the second quarter, I should say. The other yeah, game's yeah. atrocious second quarter. That was, it was Brooklyn. And I say that because here's what happened. Um, I can't exactly say that 
we got better, but what we did was we didn't allow Brooklyn to go nuclear. Yeah, I I think I agree. Although Brooklyn was a bit shorthand, and Landry Shamet did his best. And right, which is why I can't say. Which is why I can't say that they were shorthanded because yeah, KD got hurt, but look, man, in, even on the broadcast yesterday, Richard Def- Jefferson said it. Landry Shamet had you know seven threes um, with almost a quarter to go. So that was almost the same impact as having James Harden on the floor. I mean, with the way he was going yesterday, you could not leave him. He essentially and, replaced and, either of Kevin Durant or James Harden's production. You just, this guy's name, Landry Shamit, instead of James Harden and Kevin Durant. So, And if you run out on him, he would go past you and finish at the rim and draw fouls and end ones. And there was this one play where, KZ actually drove and Shamit guarded him and KZ actually bumped Shamit hard from what I think was in the midsection area um, in yeah, that special it. area. Yeah, in that special area. And not that, you know, I want the man to be hurt, but I thought that that would kind of, you know, shake him up a little bit, throw him off of his game, you know, touch him up a little bit, nothing dirty, but just kind of get in his mind a little bit. And, you know, doggone if, 20 seconds of actual game time later, he didn't come right back in and started nailing shots again. So with the way Shaman was playing yesterday, man, I, I don't know. Um, you have to give the Heat some credit for being able to sustain, you know, like they did, and especially in that second quarter, as you said, because they had been getting murdered all week long in the second quarters. And that that brings up an interesting point, which I'll wait till we get to the Denver game, because I think there was a little difference in what happened um, in the Phoenix game and the Denver game, even though, as you said, it's mainly a second quarter thing. And if you want to pinpoint an issue, you have to pinpoint certain guys on the bench for why it happened. I just think it manifested itself a little differently. In Minnesota, it, that that's something totally different as well, which we'll also touch on, of course. Yeah, I think the Minnesota thing, it's w- really weird saying this, but sometimes there was a bit of a lack of effort. Look, we... We are infamous for playing up or down to our competition. And it's especially magnified this year. The second quarter, well, the Heat defense was starting to get torn apart with Phoenix's, Phoenix's off-the-ball movement. And guess who was on the floor in the, during those moments? When you have Hero and Dragic or Hero and Robinson, you're going to get torn to shreds off the ball. They, they simply don't have the lateral quickness to keep up with, with the other guys. Hero especially, at least Duncan has long arms, so he can, if he's at least in the vicinity, he can contest you a bit. But Hero, he does, he's a, a negative on the defensive end. That's why sometimes Miami resorts so much to zone defense because these these guys, you're, you're a disadvantage. If you play if you play an opponent straight up, they're just going to shred you. They're, or, and that's that's something that we need, we need to fix up. The offense was a big problem in the second quarter as well. It was mostly functioning due to Jimmy Butler being an absolute badass, but everything was revolving around him. And when he didn't touch the ball in a possession, it usually went badly. And that's something that I noticed in the Phoenix game, and not so not as much in the not as much in the Denver game because the Denver game was just so weird. But in the in the Timberwolves game, I also noticed that too. What do you think about that, Kenneth? I mean. <laughs> Listen, he's the engine, man. 
We're of talking about so. Jimmy. We're talking about Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah, of course he is. is that that's what, I was about to say that's what you're asking because I was trying to make sure you asked me. To, like he's the engine. I mean, I don't think you need to say anything else. Like whether he's scoring or whether he's getting other guys involved or whether he's, you know, the guy that's making sure everybody's in place to be able to do whatever they need to do. Um, none of it works without Jimmy Butler doing his best. And and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't lost. I was just making sure, like, hey, you asking me, what do I, what think, do I think about, about Jimmy, Jimmy freaking, freaking Butler? Butler? No, I mean, I mean, let me rephrase the question. What do you think about, you know, last season, the offense was not an issue. It was actually right, our, right. our strength. Okay. But I think it, it mostly functioned because the other guys were contributing. And you don't, you don't necessarily have to put this insane amount of pressure on Jimmy Butler whenever he's on the floor because the other okay. guys could make plays. Now I get you. So you're saying in comparison to this year to it not looking as good unless he does that. Exactly. Um, I think that's rooted in... Hmm. I think that's rooted in a couple of things. Yeah, you're still going to need that from him. Um, but... When Goran isn't going um, to be that guy off the bench, because like it or love it or believe it or not, Goran is basically the engine of the second unit, which is why we were performing at such a high level last year. When he was coming in giving you 19-20 a game off of the bench, intermingle and spritzed in with the starting guys, then, you know, you don't notice when Jimmy isn't on the floor all that often. Exactly. Um, but now that Goran has struggled, I wouldn't say he has struggled mightily, but he has struggled a bit this year. Right. No, he struggled. And, and, and again, my thing, I don't know. My thing with Goran has been, I think it's still there. If you watch him move, everything that he has been able to do, I mean, if you look at it last year, everything that he was able to do, he's still able to do it. What seems to be off is those recognition things, the timing, the touch, the, okay, I need to step here, go. Or, you know, how quick he's doing it or how slow he's doing it or the windows with which he's doing it. And and I'll give you an example. Let's say if he make a move, whether he goes on, you know, an eight count or whether he goes on a quarter count when he needs to finish. It's like it's all about timing, touch, and finesse to just go along with the reckless abandonment for the Dragon. The Dragon, his, his, his bag is a lot of floaters, a lot of push shots. Um, you know, hitchy, irk and jerk, which is about timing and kind of throwing you off and not allowing you to be in sync with when he's going to do what. And when you are coming back from an injury, which affects your ability to be able to push off, to be able to explode, or when you're mentally just getting over the fact, okay, I don't have to be gender on this. I can go a hundred percent on this or from the outside even, when your jump shot is predicated on herky-jerk move, herky-jerk move, okay, now's the time to shoot it. That's my window. If that's off just a second, then you have to alter the way you're shooting the shot, which may throw it off directionally, which may throw it off timing-wise, which may throw it off strength-wise. And I'll give you this one. In the Minnesota game, there was a two-sequence possession where Drogic got the ball, shot it, missed it short. We got the rebound. He got the ball back. He had relocated to the short corner by this time, got the ball, and shot it long. That's a touch thing. And you remember what I'm talking about? And I actually made the joke. I'm like, you know, either he just isn't 
all the way back from a touch and feel perspective or he needs to shoot all his shots from the mid corner. Because, I mean, his first one was short and his second one was way long. I mean, all he needs to do is recalibrate, and that's all net. I think I think he, he just – at least he's, this week he's looked much better. But as you said, the touch thing in that Minnesota game, I remember the sequence that you mentioned. I thought he might have gotten a bit – I thought he got blocked. Maybe he did get blocked, but I don't. I don't. I think, particularly the three-point shooting has been wayward this season. I think, but that's based on his ability to drive the ball, though. If he doesn't like his the reason, now he can shoot it, but the reason he was, the reason he has the space is because defenders have to kind of almost cheat back on themselves because yeah, if you don't he, cheat, he'll go by you. But you're yeah. not so much worried about that this year because he hasn't shown the ability to be able to do that and convert. Um, but the reason I say that it's encouraging to see him be as aggressive as you just mentioned, as I have been mentioning earlier, is because in order for him to be that aggressive, he trusts that foot. He doesn't mind pushing off on it, giving it all he got. He doesn't mind exploding off of it. And even if it didn't hurt, let's say if – Have you ever jammed a finger? Oh, yeah. When you jam a finger, let's say if it's, if it's the finger that you hold your phone with. When you jam your finger, you hold your phone differently to make sure that you don't bump that finger, right? Yeah, because it's hurt. now, it hurts now, at hell. Right. Now, the whole time that finger is hurt, you're still holding your phone that way. But on day five or day six, you're going to realize, hey, I'm still holding my phone this way, even though it won't hurt my finger if I hold it regularly. That's a, Because that's you a, have to mentally get over what was that injury. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that. So, and that's all I think he is. He has to mentally train his mind and his muscles to do the things that he normally does. Because you're talking about, and if you, I don't know if you ever had plantar fascia issues, but... Plantar fascia just feel like somebody fills the gap in your bottom, the, the space in the bottom of your foot, the arch. It just feels like somebody stuck, filled that space up inside of your skin with socks. It's just swollen. So there's no arch in your foot. It's just swollen whole, one piece. I, I don't know how to explain any better than that, but the arch in your foot is just swollen to the point where the, the top of your foot, the heel of your foot, and the middle of your foot are even. So it just feels flat-footed. It it feels flat-footed, but but almost it's like a hump. It's like yeah, physically you look flat-footed, or you feel as though you would look flat-footed, but it doesn't feel flat. It feels as though you're standing on something. Well, I, it's, I, it's, it, that's it's one injury. That's one injury I haven't experienced yet. Right. I, right. I, I, yeah, hope I, I have. Don't. So I haven't had a torn plantar fascia, but. Um, I played sports um, all through my younger years, so my plantar fascia, my plantar fascias, do tend to flare up and swell on me from time to time. So no, I know what he was going through, man. It's like when you dealing with that, you're scared to push up on it until you get that mental hurdle out the way, and I can understand. Yeah, I get those are great points on Goran. Let's be, let's get back to the Suns game. The quarter, the half, the half ended with Miami after they were in front in the first quarter. By, uh, I'm just kidding, by eight, they ended up down by six, 50 to 56 to Phoenix. The third quarter, 
the def- you know, the defense in this game, I don't think it was a huge issue when Hero or Dragic was on the was off the floor. When the when the stars were they were a pretty capable defensive unit. And they you know, they didn't allow the Suns to score more than one hundred and ten. They held them to one hundred and six. But still the offense was a huge issue in the in the game. Jimmy twisted his ankle in the fourth, and that's where you know the worry came if, if he was gonna miss any games this week. And and they had the the game in Denver the next night, and he played since you know Jimmy is a it's a freaking badass universe soldier. soldier yeah but you know the in the fourth quarter when when I saw KZ Maxtros and Gabe Vincent come in we all knew it was over oh white flag. White, flag. white flag yeah that's that's the white flag so I let's just move on to the hot stuff and the cold stuff for this game hot hot stuff I put that help that the that the heat helped Booker to 12 points throughout the first game, throughout the entire game, excuse me. And they had a really good first quarter, but I couldn't find any other positive for the Heat in this game. Do you have another positive for the Heat in this game, Kenneth? Um, I mean, as you pointed out, doing well on Booker, but um, when you allow the bench to go nuclear as they did, you know, I really don't um I mean I really don't even wanna highlight the fact that they held Booker to so you know, so few points because the bench made up for it. It doesn't even matter. The bench yeah, made up for it. The bench canceled out or Right. Like the bench made it so that um you can't even consider that a great job anymore. Yeah. Cold stuff. The heat shot twenty point five percent from three. 16 turnovers for Miami, and they got a, got a rebounded by 12 and the horrible second quarter, as we mentioned. Anything else aside, well, the bench absolutely being atrocious for the Heat and allowing allowing the Phoenix Suns bench to just go nuclear on us. Any Anything else for the cold stuff, Kenneth? Um, nah, man. I mean, like you said, it was, it was the benches that uh that that really decided the game and it was ours that couldn't get anything to go and theirs that could get everything to go um and what i really wanted to mention and this game really highlighted it for you if you look at Aiden, and you mentioned how big man has been killing us all the season as heat fans it wasn't really so much that deandre Aiden was able to maul us in the paint like you know go off for 35 and 20 35 points and 20 rebounds it was that when and how he was able to score, um, being able to rebound and get a bucket in the paint, easy bucket or a hard bucket in the paint, um, really helped them be able to dictate the flow of the game and to dictate the pace of the game. And it allowed them to play off of that in a way where if we can't control when and how you go about doing something, there's no way that we can defend it. Because we can't stop you in any one area. If you can go here and get a bucket anytime you want, then you can create an open jump shot for yourself anytime you want. Now, when you have Booker and CP shooting those jump shots and Cam Johnson and everybody else, and Jay Crowder can't forget about him, you're going to hit a lot of those jump shots. So if you can get those easy buckets anytime and make half of your jump shots, you're going to win most of the games. And, and that was just another thing to mention about 
the fact that we were killed in the paint because it wasn't so much him killing us. It was what he allowed them to do to kill us. That's what makes the sun so good. You see, be, people, are, are, you know, rightfully so, they concentrate on the Booker-Paul pairing, which has been fantastic this season. But I feel like, as you said, Aiden allows them to do so many other stuff because if if you keen only on the perimeter shooting, they have they have a great equalizer inside. Right. Drop it off to him. He'll get you. He'll get you a, a ton of easy buckets. And by the time he finishes dicing you up, you'll be so confused or concerned with him that CP3, Booker, Javon Carter, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, um, what's my guy from Villanova, Mikael Bridges, I think his name is. Um, I yeah. mean, those guys will dice you up from the outside. And and oh, when you run out to guard the shot, they'll just drive past you and dunk the ball on your head. I mean, it's really you know, it, Phoenix. What can, yeah, you, say, what can right? you say, right? They're really, they're really good. This, this. Oh, they're really they're, good. They're, they're really, good. really good. Now they aren't proven, so we want to see them in the playoffs. But they're really good. They're really good. Um, I, I hate to see them in seven games. Oh, absolutely. They're gonna be hell to play against in seven in seven games. However, the Western Conference playoffs are gonna be extremely fun. We're gonna touch on that when absolutely. we absolutely. finish breaking down these games. Now the Heat and the Nuggets. I think this game was pretty. Could, would you call it uneventful aside from the Dentman debut? Because we, um, I I saw okay, I saw it as a scheduled loss the minute I checked out the schedule. When 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 I was when I was doing the the look ahead for this week's pod. You an elevation truther? No, I, no I'm, I'm, just, second, I'm, I'm just messing <laughs> with you, man. <laughs> second, I, I I meant it more in the way of the second night of a back to back against the Denver Nuggets. After Absolutely. you face after you face the Phoenix Suns. You have to travel from Phoenix to Denver, and on the second night for back-to-back, your your legs are gonna kill you. You're, you're not gonna have legs, aside from the elevation thing, which you know I've never been to Denver, so I, I, I don't know how much of that plays a factor. But, right, you know, right. Some people claim for it to be a huge factor for some of these athletes. Well, I again, man, I'm a thinker. A lot of random information and um. As our relationship grows, whatever that may turn into, who knows, which may lead to an announcement later. Um, in any event, no, you know, spoiler alert. But basically, man, uh, with my many tidbits of knowledge, I consider myself a thinker. I say that to say this. I haven't been to Denver either, but what I know about thin air, thick air, humidity, non-humidity, elevation, uh, depth all of that you have no choice you know high pressure low pressure all of that jazz and just all of those factors makes then you have no choice but to believe that it gets a little harder to breathe or easier to breathe depending on the features characteristics of a certain place but also just considering this even if it isn't absolutely absolutely excuse my french harder or easier to breathe or not breathe in a certain place the fact that you have to account for that adjustment period um your body has to account for that um you know that's something into it and whether that adjustment takes a certain amount of energy or whatever and these players are doing so much in and out and traveling between cities that is happening so fast that you couldn't possibly have that time to adjust without effects at all so um yeah elevation has something to do with it all i i can't say what but you know people aren't just making it up or putting it out their butts for so many odd years it has something to do with it but um Denver, man, I-, I thought we had a chance after Jamal Murray went down. I really did. Um, 
But why I said earlier that it was different is because whereas our bench flat out killed us against Phoenix, I don't think anybody really came to play against Denver. Nobody really seemed like they wanted it. Everybody gave up by halftime. Um, they were just taking ill-advised shot. You you didn't feel as though they wanted it. Nothing was up with purpose. Everything was like blah. They were getting open shots for Denver left and right, second chance points. It was just like I said, man, you 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 felt depressed. Not to mention the game was taking place at 11 o'clock Eastern time, but just watching the Heat play made you sleepy. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a fact, Jimmy was definitely hurt. You could see it. He absolutely, absolutely. He was, you could he see was it. laboring a bit when he when when he was driving to the basket. I I actually saw him pass up a layup. We, you know, Kendrick made the and ended up made. He was the trailer in that in that possession. I don't know if you remember. It was a it was a, I remember, a fast break. Remember. Fast break. And he kicked it, out. he, he kicked, kicked it out. He kicked it out. And you know, at least Kendrick made it. But it was so unusual seeing him n not go. Aggressively to the basket, he was you, stiff. He was this stiff is what gave it away for me. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but this is what oh, gave it away for me. No, um, there was this one play where I can't remember who was shooting a jump shot. It might have been, it might have been PJ Dozier. Um, by the way, love him, big, strong, physical. Um, but he was shooting a short jump shot, and Jimmy kind of just, you know how a sprinter does as they're crossing the finish line when they lean over and kind of just chest the. That's how Jimmy lunged at the jump shot. Now, not that he doesn't give it his all to try to get there, but he usually runs through the challenge. He avoids the contact, but he runs through at an angle where he's bothering you. But this one just felt like, I can't push y'all. I'm just going to, you know, sprint finish to try to throw you off, but I can't really get there. And you could see that he couldn't really push off on that ankle. Um, it's just like he was trying to give you everything he could, but he couldn't. And that, at that point, it was like, all right, we don't have a chance. Yeah. As you said, the game was over by half, basically. Over, you know, they were, they, they were only down 11, but it felt like they were down 25. It felt like they were down, like they 25. Were down 25. Exactly. exactly. They, they, just, they just couldn't get anything to go in, and particularly the second quarter. Again, second quarter, second quarter blues. And it was really weird. To see that the offense was based in the second quarter, particularly the offense was basically functioning because Orisa was making shots, which is not the ideal plan. Because Orisa, in an ideal scenario, you want Orisa to give you everything that he gives you offensively is a is a huge bonus because you're count you're counting on on your other guys to to give you the the stuff offensively. Listen, man, man, I want to agree with you, and not and again, not to cut you off, I want to agree with you. But I'm sure we'll touch on this later. When Ariza's knocking down shots like he's knocking down shots, man, get him as many open looks as you can. Oh, particularly from the corners. I mean, because he's, because he's, I mean, he's, well, people, we also have to remember this. Before Ariza um, opted out of the bubble last year, he was shooting 40% in Portland on volume. Like, he, you know, that was his role, shoot threes and play defense, as it's been for a while. And he was shooting 40% from out there in Portland. So this, while again, because we haven't seen him and because he's never played for Miami, you know, we're shocked. We're like, oh, yeah, he's shooting the ball. But this isn't strange. He, he can shoot that thing. Yeah, he can. <laughs> he showed it this week that he absolutely can shoot he that can thing. Shoot it. Shoot it. He can shoot, he can it. shoot it. He can shoot it. So the Nuggets, I mean, heck, we saw Max Truss sighting early in, by the third quarter. So that's Which when you – with, that lets you know how dire 
of a situation offensively we were in. But go ahead. Yeah, exactly. You know, you only the shoes gets loose only when when you absolutely <laughs> need to. Yeah, yeah. When you so see exactly. Max Strews, you know that you're challenged offensively. Or or um you haven't hit a three in a quarter, in almost a quarter. Yeah. I mean, I'm writing down my notes, Nikola Jokic, man, he's the MVP. He, I just broke, bro, Nikola Jokic passing. I just, it's ridiculous. I, I remember there was a possession where he threw the ball. I don't, I think it was either PJ Dozier or Michael Porter Jr. where he was on one side of the court and he just flicked that thing with one hand and onto the corner three and it was oh are you talking i know what you're talking about he does it he does it at least once a game where he's posted up on the opposite block and he's kind of looking at you out the side of his eye and as soon as the help side leaves you to come in he lets it go yeah and it's just wow well there was also this one play man where he was on the short corner and the guy didn't stay over in the corner he cut and as he and i think it was michael porter as he cut with one hand jokic kind of flicked it to the back of the rim like if the guy he's passing it to isn't exactly where he thinks he's gonna be the ball goes out of bounds and it's sad looking but it's like Jokic read the I mean I, I don't know like the man's the Larry Bird comparisons are the best that, that those are probably the best comparisons out there he's Larry Bird he's Larry Bird that's the only guy you compare him to he's he's center Larry Bird yeah he's Larry Bird I mean you some people want to do Sabonis, but Sabonis wasn't as skilled or as good a distributor or all-around player. Um, Daddy Sabonis, not Demontis. Um, he wasn't as skilled or as good an all-around player as Jokic is. So uh, he's Larry Bird, man. He's Larry Bird. Yeah, I think you know you want to talk about anything else about of the Heat for this game because I just couldn't find you know. The garbage minutes came in early. It was garbage time by the third quarter, really. Yeah, man. I mean, um, well, like Detman, you, like you, we, we can well, talk about well, Detman. If you want to talk, yeah, that, that is something, and, and I noted this. So for some reason, um, Jokic played almost the entire game. Like, he, until the final buzzer, uh, Malone left him in the game for some reason. So you got a chance to see deadman against jokic for a little bit even if it was in a blowout type situation he was still playing against the main guy um and in just his few minutes you could already see him having an impact um basically what happened excuse me there what happened was whether it was a rebound or whether he was making a challenge at the rim you could see where in a regular situation or in a standard game wait a minute deadman is different he's something we don't have and something that we desperately need um whether it was grabbing rebounds when nobody else could or whether it was contesting shots that haven't been contested by the heat at the rim all season you left that game although disappointed in the results intrigued and hopeful at what Deadman would be providing in the future um and by the time we get to the brooklyn game you'll see exactly what that is i wish we could skip skip over the heat wolves game but oh man i mean look man we could we could on look man we're on the 50th minute already so we could give it a five minute or four minute look see real quick and i hate it I, I, I hate it watching that game 
honestly. Let's let's wrap it up quickly with the Heat and the Nuggets and the Heat and the Wolves. Hot stuff for the Heat Nuggets game. 49.4% from the field for Miami. Only eight turnovers. Yay. I guess I guess that's a, that's right, a, right. That's a positive among the... Again, it doesn't matter how many times you give it away if they're going to score every possession. Like, you don't have to give it away any. If they're going to score on all of their possessions... You know, they can. You can keep all of yours, and they can keep all of theirs. You're not going to be able to keep up. That's what I was going to mention. The cold stuff allowed Denver to shoot 54% from the field. Allowed, you know what I mean? Allowed 17 three pointers and 123 points in total. I mean, let's just do the math real quick. Again, I'm no math genius, but I do my little math here. Three times seven is 21, and three times 10 is 30. 30 and 21 is 51. Um, 51 of 123 of their points came from the three-point line. How, how are you? How are you going to beat that? How, unless, how? unless you unless you counter them, you go you go with them shot by shot, which you can't with this Heat team. Absolutely cannot do unless you get not with our bench playing the way that they play. They have been playing over unless the last you get of games. exactly unless you get Kendrick and Tyler. Duncan and Goran are all absolutely at their best, then... Or, 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 you could get Bam to start being aggressive, but maybe something, you know, it, it, that might be something that changes as the games progress or the week progresses well as too. Yeah. All right, let's 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 put five minutes into this Heat-Wolves game. Okay, okay. I'd like to start, Jim, again, as, as has been a theme this week, great starts, then terrible, then terrible the rest of the way. Jimmy terrible, started attacking. Jimmy Jimmy started attacking the basket relentlessly, and I mean relentlessly. The guy was going at everybody. the The ankle did not look like an issue in that game. He wanted to win that game. Oh, he absolutely wanted to win the game. I, I think, he was. I think he was really pissed that he lost, especially against the Wolves. Absolutely, absolutely. It was half the fact that he was fed up that he came out after the game the way he did and call people out. But another half of it was the fact that it was the Wolves. Yeah. Well, first, because there's well-evidenced history between Jimmy Butler and the Minnesota Timberwolves. We don't have to get into that. There's a famous scrimmage there that I would be dying. I would pay a lot of money to, to watch that scrimmage. Absolutely. But, I mean, I would pay a lot of money just to hear the audio. I don't even have to see it. Just let me hear it. Oh, the the audio must be glorious, too. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. But also the fact that the Timberwolves might be the worst team in the league. Second worst record-wise, to be exactly precise. They were tied for the worst um, before getting that win. Fun fact, um, on the day of this recording, which would be Monday the 19th, we actually played the worst team in the league, which are the Houston Rockets. So you got your fingers crossed there. Well, let's hope for let's hope that there this does not become a Kelly Olynyk revenge game because then exactly I'll, I'll... and and you know I love me some Ko and if you did know now you do. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of love for Kelly Olynyk out there in Heat Twitter. Although sometimes it may not look like it, but there's a lot of love out there for him still. And the way he has looked, particularly in in Houston, he has looked. He definitely been one of Houston's best players. players. Definitely, definitely been one of Houston's best, best players. players. Uh. You know, no Detman, as we mentioned in the in the in the Timberwolves game. The fourth quarter, Cat fouled out, but Nas Reed put the finishing touches on the on the game. I mean, just monstrous offensive rebounds. He came in 
from the left baseline if you're watching it on your TV to grab an offensive rebound in one of the final possessions that absolutely floored me. I think I fell off my couch when he grabbed that rebound. When he, yeah, when he when he when he grabbed the the first rebound, just I said, okay, we still have a chance. But that the right, second right. One, the second, the second one, one was in between two Heat guys. He ran from outside, outside of the view of the screen from the baseline in between two Heat guys. JJ, come on now. And you know, worst loss of the season, in my opinion. I don't. Absolutely, maybe it's probably the worst loss in three or four seasons. <laughs> I I don't know if I can go that far back. You know, I'll have to, I'm going. I, I'm going. I'm going that far. Do the research. Quote me on it. <laughs> but you know, this season, a hundred percent, the worst loss of the season. I don't. I'm not even gonna do hot stuff or cold stuff for this game because we're gonna talk about the game that we all want to talk about. Absolutely. The Bam game. You mean the Bam game? The Bam game. The the game where. People on national TV should finally start realizing that he's the Bam Chice. The Bam Chice. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. The Bam Chice. We should call him the Bam. <laughs> we, we should call him the Bam Chice from, from now on. Whatever I'll, he has. I'll break, that, I'll break that, I'll that one out tonight, and I'll add you. Oh, I, I would love to see that. Well, the Bam the Chice. He, the Heat Nets game. <laughs> That's pretty good, man. That's I, I can't I can't even front. I'm I'm impressed. It's it's corny enough where it'll definitely get attentions, but it's good enough where it can stick. Yeah, I well thank you. I think full disclosure, I I think I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if it was it was that exact same thing, but I was like, man, that's That's pretty good, right? Right, right, right. The bam. Okay, okay. Well, we'll note that, too. I don't know if he came up with it, but the first place I heard it was boom, boom, boom. All right. Well, I guess we, sh- we can discuss Kevin Durant's early exit from the game and what it means for the Nets. I think, I think, the, Net- I think the Nets should be worried because this, this, if, if Kevin Durant and the rest of the Big Three keep missing games, I think there's precedent here for a, for a really good – for a team – with a super team, I should say, with high expectations being finishing with cru- with a crushing playoff loss due to lack of chemistry that they failed to develop throughout the season. I think there's precedent there. I mean, and the, you know, listen, the rest of the Nets roster is not bad, but you need your three guys to play together, and you need to, you need Kevin Durant to stay on the floor more often because, I you know, the, the playoffs start in a month. And uh, and Harden, Kyrie, and Katie have only played seven games together. That's not enough for to go in, into the playoffs. I I, th- I I guess you agree, Kenneth, or what do you what do you think this means for the Nets? This Katie injury again. For me, man, um, when you're talking about Kevin Durant and his injury and what it means for Brooklyn at this point. As you stated, you have to be really, really concerned because you can't be sure that he's going to be able to give you two, three, four, five, six, seven games based off what you've seen um, without you feeling super concerned that he's going to injure yourself. And I'm not saying that that is the case from my perspective, from my opinion, but just based off what I've seen. And I say that to say, I saw him 
come back and play a game after missing 23 games and then sit out the next game. So you were concerned. I saw you make him sit out 23 games when the injury that he had likely was a game that he could have come back from after 10 to 15 games or would have come back from after 10 to 15 games if he were anybody else or if this were any other year. Um, And then I also saw him do something yesterday as far as bump knees or get hit in the thigh or whatever happened. Basically, that whole sequence, you see that 20 times a game in any NBA game, 10 times a night, and it doesn't impact every player in that manner. Now, again, you take into account that he's had all of these things go on or whatever, whatever, in that specific area is where the injury was. So you do take all that into account. But just specifically, those three factors start to make you lean towards, hmm, is he a guy that you can depend on this season with all that he's done and with him getting back? Is he a guy that you can depend on this season to go seven games if need be at the peak level of competition and playoff atmosphere where teams not only are seeing you back to back to back to back, but they have a chance to prepare for you. They have a chance to see what you don't like them to do, to to, to test your injured areas, to just pick and prod you like they can't do in the regular season. I, I don't know. And And lastly, if he's not there, it really hurts them because as I maintain, even with him, they don't have a lead dog kind of guy. I've seen none of those guys win a title by themselves as the lead dog. I've seen KD do it with Steph. I've seen Kyrie do it with LeBron, and I've never seen James Harden even do it. So I'm not sure if James Harden and Kyrie could do it without KD because I'm not even sure if they could do it with all three of them. But again, especially if he's not healthy enough to be himself, it's going to be extremely tough for them to go as far as they think they should go and a lot of people think they will go. I think even with KD, people just assume that they're just going to romp through the East. That could very well happen. Absolutely. But I don't necessarily see it happening. Commented. No, that's all in the hole. Um, there, there's no other. I'm sorry, I kind of dropped my pause there. Did you miss me? No, no. Okay, yeah, they they can put the ball in the hole. Um, the name of the game is scoring points. Um, and in the playoffs, where everything slows down. If you have more guys, or if you have the greater ability to get that bucket when you need it, oftentimes you're going to be the team that comes out on top. And when you're talking about three guys off top and if you include your Jeff Greens who's playing well uh, and between let's say you got another whole guy between Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan um, look man you you got a couple of different options as far as going to get you a bucket so you can't really knock them from that perspective um, they should be the team to be they, they have the most talent they have the most talent but I will say I feel listen I think Milwaukee, I really like how they match up with Brooklyn. Now, let me explain. Drew can can absolutely handle Kyrie Irving or James Harden, for that matter. Either one. Chris Milton, you know, Chris, he can, he can defend a bit. You're not going to exactly expect him. Yeah, he won't. No, Nobody can stop KD. Nobody can neutralize KD. But Chris Middleton can keep him from killing you. Yeah. And Giannis... I think his best, he mostly serves best. He's probably the best help defender. Run protection, exactly. You let somebody else play a man up and Giannis clean up everything. Ah, ah, ah. And that also lets you save your energy to go get us 40 on the other end. 
And that's what was that was my next point. Giannis will absolutely kill them if he if they face him in a in a playoff series because aside I guess Nick Claxton is the only guy that can put up at least the guys big enough, the guys big enough aren't quick enough or strong enough, and the guys quick enough or strong enough aren't big enough. Yeah, exactly. So I guess Giannis will feast on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And their only chance, you know, I'm not saying that Milwaukee will beat them, but I, re- I feel really good about our, our about Milwaukee's chances against Brooklyn. And you, you also got the Philly component. Joel Embiid, absolutely, again, absolutely. can Joel Embiid will feast on them. His, his improvement range jump shot, I think, is a huge addition. To, um, it's, it's probably why he was the MVP favorite before he went down. That mid-range addition, you know, him being elite at the mid-range, it, it absolutely added another dimension to his game, and it, it has been an incredible offensive season from, from him. But the Philly, Philly can guard. They, they have, you can throw Matisse Thybul and Ben Simmons, you know, the, the offense will suffer. With when you have those two guys on the floor at the same time, but Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul can go toe to toe with any of the of the three guys on the defensive end, I should say. And then you have jo- Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. That's also a really a, a team that I would see. I would have no problem seeing them being the Brooklyn Nets. So, what I would try to say here is, the Nets are not the, you know, they should be considered the favorites. They're my favorites. When, because when healthy, I think we, we we have never seen a collection of three guys that can put the ball in the basket on the same team like 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 the Nets have. I don't know if you would agree with that point, but in my opinion, I don't think anybody has ever assembled three guys that can put the ball in the basket in that manner. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, the closest they had was, the closest that we've had, I would say, was... KD's Warriors teams and you know Steph Steph and James Harden or what what KD and KD is a wash and I would say that Clay and Kyrie get it done differently but they're just as explosive as each other I guess but you know the only the thing that Kyrie has over Clay is that he his ability to get to the rim and create his own shot and create separation with his dribble moves and and Kyrie's an elite shooter too I understand that. I understand that. But here's the thing about Kyrie. When Kyrie's doing his thing, it takes the efficiency and effectiveness of the team and everybody around him down by at least 50%. At least 50%. Because in order for him to be his best self, he has to pity pat, pity pat, pity pat, pity pat, pity pat. Clay can be his best self without taking any efficiency or effectiveness from anybody or the team. So while I agree with you, I think that for a team, they're, they're, they're a wash because whereas Kyrie does his a little bit more explosively, he takes away from the team's overall effectiveness, whereas Clay may be a little less explosive, the rest of the team can operate at a much higher click than they can with Kyrie. I will say, though, that Clay doesn't even need to dribble the ball when he that, when That's he exactly, exactly what I mean. What I mean, he, he, I mean that 60-something point game, what – I think he dribbled the ball like seven times the entire game, something like. That. I think he had the he had the ball a grand total of like eleven minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't have the ball that long, bro. Like he just he get the ball to handle his business, like, and that allows the rest of the team to operate at peak. You know what I mean? 
Like, and that's something, and, and, and you don't have that with Kyrie. No, I, I guess that's, that's a good point. They're vastly, I think they're different, different teams, different, different, different situations. That's why I didn't say, you know, they apples and apples. I said the closest thing, because even though it's different, because even if you look at, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like the polar opposites, you know what I mean? Like KD is the pendulum, but it's almost like James Harden and Steph are the opposites of each other. They could give you a bucket either way, but one of them do it the most efficient way, and one of them do it in the, the least efficient way. And Clay and Kyrie are almost similar in that one of them do it in the most efficient way, and the other one do it in the least efficient way. Like even if you look at Steph, Steph can give you all of the ah ah ahs, the pity pat, the pity pat, the pity pat, but he doesn't. James Harden has to do that in order to be his best self. Steph's going to hit you with two moves, and once he gets the space that he wants, he's going to let it fly, turn around, and run down the other way. And nine times out of ten, it's going to the bottom of the net. By the way, Stephen Curry, what a What a, what a unremarkable. I mean, just, I, I, I can't even describe it. I, I say unremarkable because I'm not even surprised anymore. I'll be surprised if he doesn't make the shots. That guy has been on fire the last Look, man, little, man. the last couple of weeks. When you put when, when anytime you and, and I know this is cliche at this point in sports, but anytime you're mentioned in the same breath as Will, come on, man, you're doing good things. You're doing good things. What what is I mean? You know, the only record that nobody ever takes for Will is partners, according to him. Yeah, I say I agree. Let's wrap up this Heat Nets analysis. Well, I want to I want to start with one with one name, Dwayne Detman. He only took one shot. He only took one shot, and he finished eight with ten. Eight from the free throw line. Eight for eight. Eight for eight from the free throw line. That's a ten and ten double double what? in fifteen minutes. I didn't. Come I on, didn't man, man. I didn't check out his true shooting percentage, but it must be through the roof. It has to be. It has to be. Now I do need him to get a little bit stronger, which I will think will come with more time and feel for the game because there were at least two of those shots that he should have finished. Um. That he should have finished uh, as well as gotten the foul shot. But look, man, when you're getting 10 boards and you're giving me 10 points in 15 minutes and you're challenging shots and you're making things hard for the offense at the rim, um, Vegas can't be choosers, man, because what you were giving me is different. We've been needing it. We haven't had it. And I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. So I'm not going to complain at all because Vegas can't be choosers. No, I, I won't complain either because he – That's the ideal back. He gave us ideal backup minutes. That was the backup center minutes that we haven't had all season long. I mean, that's the that's what you want a backup center to come in and do. Now here's what's really, now here's what I really want to see. I want to see those spot minutes because I want to get Deadman to about 20 minutes a game. So there are going to be those one or two minutes where him and Bam are on the floor together, and that's where I'm interested to see how that looks. Because don't get me wrong, I don't want him taking as many as. Duncan does, but Deadman's comfortable shooting at three, and he's knocked it down at a good mid thirty percentage too. He so did I shoot. See, I think ahead, he did. He did shoot around thirty five percent. He took two of them against Denver. I think he he shot around thirty five percent with in one season with Atlanta, and he shot about two to three a game, which is respectable. We don't right, want him right. taking much more. Right, like you just basically you're doing that to keep the defense honest, and he's going to knock down one of every three he shoots. It's like you're going to get those three points, but those other two are to let the defense know, hey, you can't pack that paint. 
Which and is beautiful when talking about Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Oh, I really want to. You know what? Let's hope that we can we get to see Detman Butler and Adebayo minutes because that would be that would be something. I really want to see that. Absolutely, see, absolutely. We should we should file an, an email petition to Spo for that. Oh, with that, hey, look, man. And then here's the quote back from Spo. Um, the main thing is the main thing. We're gonna stick to the process. Uh, and every other cliche in the book, and uh, we'll get a minutes when we see fit, and we're just gonna work hard and keep playing. <laughs> you know, Spo man, Spo's gonna do what he do, and Spo don't care about anything else. Like, come on, against Mo- Monday against the Rockets, it wouldn't surprise me if Deadman doesn't get off the bench and Bealitza and Precious are back the the first guys off the bench. Yeah, I think. Let's see. Let's see what how we do against the Rockets this week. Now, exactly. Anything else about the Heat in the next game before we look at the week ahead and then close out the pot? Uh, no, man. Other than, you know, I really love the shot that Bam took. I know Jimmy said he wanted him driving to the cup moment. Those jumpers are nice, whatever, whatever. And, and that's accurate. Jimmy's 100% right. But at the same time, Bam has to take what the defense given. The reason that he was able to get as open of a shot as he was able to get on Sunday is because he drove Jeff Green hard. Jeff Green thought that he was going to try to finish in the rim, which allowed um, Bam to get the space that he did. Jeff Green was on his heels. Bam stepped back, open shot, drained it. Now we're on to the next game. Also, I want to mention something. Something that Duncan Robinson did in that play, I think is getting overlooked. Because Duncan saw that Bam was driving, and he went and stepped out to the corner three-point line basically behind Bam. But what he did was he took, he took Kyrie with him. And that just basically left it one-on-one with Jeff Green. And that's how, that's how they won. Gravity. That's called gravity. And people don't realize that when it comes to Duncan, uh, even if he isn't hitting his gravity, and Duncan isn't a star yet, but Duncan has the gravity of a star because he has a star-like ability. Exactly. I mean, because I think that's that was a a really good play. I think I hope that that game winner just rallies the troops together. Absolutely, and I think uh, again to the writing part of it. I actually wrote this following the game. I think that that game winning shot could be the best thing that's ever happened for Bam from a confidence perspective. Oh, uh, let's see. I I really hope it does. Absolutely. Let's take a look at the week ahead. We've got the Rockets today on Monday. I think I expect the Heat to win. Absolutely. As I mentioned, we talked about Minnesota being in a, you know, a tie for the worst team in the league until they beat us the other night. RIP to that game. Um, as we mentioned, the team that holds the mantle as the worst team in the league right now, standards, I mean, standings-wise, record-wise, uh, actually, they've jumped back to even with Minnesota. If you look at the standings, they're 15 and 42, the Rockets, and Minnesota's 15 and 43. So, yeah, uh, let's just not lose to the other worst team in the league on Monday. Then we have a, a midweek little like, small road trip. We go to San Antonio on Wednesday and to Atlanta on Friday. That Atlanta game is huge for seeding purposes. I believe that he, this he team can't beat Atlanta. They've shown that they can beat them. But if we yeah, can if, um, we, if we can get a game out of them to close out the standing to close in on the standings race, that would be huge. 
Absolutely, man. I look at it like this. Um, don't want to look over the San Antonio game because they're right in that uh, eight, nine, ten range where they're gonna they're looking at a play-in game. I think they're gonna make. Um, again, they're gonna be in a play-in situation where it doesn't know if they're gonna make the regular playoffs or not. But what that says is, um, in the West, they're in that four to ten, eleven range where the four is Denver, who have thirty-six wins. I consider all of those teams to be. Um, pretty close enough, which means that they can beat you. So you don't want to look over San Antonio. But as you mentioned, heading to Atlanta, um, who are 31 and 26 right now, which is only two games. And that's something that we all have to keep in mind. The difference between fourth place and ninth place in the Eastern Conference, which is Atlanta in fourth, Boston in fifth, New York in sixth, Miami in seventh, Charlotte in eighth, and Indiana in ninth is only five games. Atlanta sits at 31 and 26, um, and Indiana sits at 26 and 30. But um, as you mentioned, we, we, we've owned Atlanta um, as far as who looks like the better team. So we should beat them, and it's a pretty important game for seeding because with those few games separating them as they are, every game counts, and if you win and they lose, that could – be the game that jumps, Scott. You know that that hop, that jump hops you right into that top four seed. Also, this week is going to be pretty tough. We have we have a back to back Friday against the Hawks, and on Saturday we go back to Miami. It's a pretty short trip. Are you surprised, man? Are you surprised? The NBA has absolutely mauled us over the last couple of days. Listen, here. there a lot of games were postponed due to COVID concerns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, get I, I get it. I get it. It's, it's just the nature of the business. But, I mean, think about it, man. So, since Thursday, April the 1st, uh, shoot, just, let me see, 19 days here throughout the month, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. We're on our 10th game in 19 days. That isn't even a game every two days, man. That's a game less than every two days. We're pretty much playing back-to-backs all month. Yeah, that's going to be. Right? right? Like, you know what I mean? Think about that. Like, it comes out to not even a full two days between each game. It's That's something that has definitely, definitely worried me because we're going we're gonna to put a lot of pressure on, on particularly on, on Jimmy. Bam is still a young guy, but putting a, a lot of pressure on Jimmy and Goran. Absolutely, man. And looking at it, and you make me look at it, with five games, with five games left in the month, um, after Monday's game, it doesn't balance out. It comes out to less than two days of time in between games. So pretty much the Heat are playing back-to-backs all month long. That's that's a, you know, that's the nature of the season. This season has sucked in terms of, of all the of, of all the safety, the the injuries, the health and safety protocols. It it has been rough to to watch as a fan, and I'm sure as a player, it has been really tough. It has taken a mental toll, particularly right, right. particularly you know the Raptors blessed them. They've got, those guys have been have probably had the toughest season of them. They're playing away from home all season I, long. I agree. I agree. I agree. You know, I think everybody's just looking forward to this season to be, to be over. Absolutely. The, uh, well, at least some sense of regularity, which I think the postseason will give you that at least. Um, 
Because, I mean, you, you have to imagine that they, they try to go to some kind of bubble for the postseason, right? I don't know. We, they, it hasn't been announced. Look, but I man, guess, you, you, you can't take that chance of an outbreak happening and traveling and you have to push back the postseason because then that pushes back every other game. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, at least most, at least the players are now getting getting their vaccines. So let's true, see. True, true. But as, does every player, because I know it was only a couple of teams last I heard. But um, to kind of just uh, finish things out for me, man, I would say that when looking at the way everything is going to play out, um, that's why I say that I think the Miami Heat can turn the switch on because they missed a lot of games uh, cumulatively for injury and health and safety protocols, man. Like, and not that every team hasn't had to deal with the same situation, but for the Heat and with the players that they've traded and whatever, whatever, um, I just think they've missed a lot of time, man. And the longer they can play more games together, the better off they'll be. And I think that the playoffs gives you a chance to find that consistency. Or at least heading into it, you know what I mean, down the stretch here too as well. Well, my closing thoughts for the pod, let's hope that, that we stay together, stay healthy, particularly Jimmy and Bam, of course. But Jimmy Absolutely. in particular, who has missed a couple of games and he has been, you know, dealing with it with some ankle problems. Let's hope that he stays healthy. So, Kenneth, where can we find you? Um, Look, man, you can find me, as we mentioned earlier at the top of the program on Twitter, at K underscore said underscore K-Q-U-E. That's K underscore S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at I am K Sears. That's I A M K C I R R U S. All one word. Um, and basically, man, just somewhere random about the heat during a live game. That's where you'll find me. All right, awesome, Kenneth. Well, we might have a we have we might have a special announcement when we release the episode, so stick around for that. Anyway, thank you for listening to a three hundred five Culture Podcast. Subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at three hundred five Culture Pod. You can also listen to us on Dash Radio via the Nothing But Net station. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week. Bye bye. With the start of the NBA season in full swing, we invite you to come and hashtag PropOp on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a respective sport. For example, in the NBA, you choose 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has thousands more guaranteed for the NBA this season. Use promo code JIMMY, that's J-I-M-M-Y, when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag PropUp today. 
Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.